Hello, and welcome to Deep Dive. This is a uh, a new show, new segment, whatever you want to call it, that uh, we're trying out here at, uh, I guess what we can call it, Don't Feed the Artist Studios, or whatever, dumb shit like that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'll be, uh, you know, we're going to do it when we, when we do it, same way we do everything else. But the idea behind Deep Dive is we are going to alternate it'll be two people and we'll alternate picking an artist a musician um that uh we will choose some albums to listen to if they have a small enough catalog where we can listen to the whole thing we're gonna do that or if we split it up between two or just you know yeah or do the first seven albums <laughs> yeah. by a band but uh so uh, we did a little coin toss, and Adam won the coin toss and got to pick the first band, and he picked King Crimson, uh-huh. which, uh, if you want to explain who King Crimson is before we... Yeah. Oh, and he picked the first seven albums of King Crimson, which and is the first iteration yeah, the, of the band. the reason for that is that's kind of the first run they had, because uh, they're still a band now on their, like, fourth reunion, basically. Uh, but they started as a 70s band... Uh, from from britain and their prog rock band um and their first album seven albums came out from uh 68 to 74 so yeah pretty short window they did about an album a year yeah i think that some of these albums came some out of them came the out the same, same year yeah well and um and uh, at least one of them they didn't even tour at all yeah. uh so yeah so when we're talking about you know late 60s early 70s prog rock that's kind of when prog rock started yeah they're among like the jethro toll and the pioneers of prog rock yeah and people who are working in that genre now they're probably pretty heavily influenced by some of their stuff yeah which Uh, is interesting because you know whenever people talk about prog rock you know who comes up it's always rush that's all people talk about but you know king crimson is one of those they are one of the pioneers that is overlooked that people don't really talk about them too much. Yeah, and compared to Rush, too, I mean, a lot of their work has a lot of, like, jazz and classical influences that Rush doesn't have as much of, so... Yeah, and to be fair, I I love prog rock. It's one of my favorite genres, or just any progressive music. Um, and I knew about King Crimson, and this goes into what we were just talking about. I had never listened to right. them until this, so... Didn't you see them once? I did, and it was kind of disappointing, but they're also really old, so I get it. They were opening but, for a dream theater? Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple friends who went to that show. And, yeah, so I guess let's just start with the first album. Um, yeah, so that was their debut album was in the Court of the Crimson King. Um, I'm pretty... When I saw this uh, album artwork, I, I recognized it, like it... Is this something like famous? I believe so. Um, I think it was by. We can look right here if you want, but yeah. uh, that's why I'm, we have the computer. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that it was uh, a piece of artwork that one of them uh, knew about and uh, had, you know, seen and wanted to uh, use as their album artwork. So. Yeah, and it may also be just you know me knowing. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a guy who uh, Barry Godber, uh, who died actually before the album or shortly after the album came out, but it was his only album cover, and it was originally a painting that uh, the guy who started King Crimson, Robert Fripp, 
uh, had purchased and just wanted to use as his album cover. So. Yeah. So I'm going to... I don't know the best way of doing this because, you know, we're we're starting this out. We'll work out the kinks as we go. But I'm just going to go ahead and give my overall thought of these first seven albums in a general kind of consensus is I really like the first album. It, I really like yeah, that. I think, and, I think most people do, too, because it's pretty widely regarded as, like, their best album. And, and it feels accessible. Yeah. I mean, there are the elements of, like, you know, oh, you know, they get a little weird. And if anybody's ever listened to the Mars Volta, this is how I'm going to describe King Crimson. Their first album is accessible, and you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then every album afterward, it they just they get more experimental where they'll have a 12-minute song with, like, four minutes of actual, like, structured, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And those four minutes may not be with each other, they may be spread out, and then there's a lot of experimentation. And I like the Mars Volta, but I do wish sometimes that they would kind of hone it in and yeah. just, for lack of a better term, get their shit together. It just kind of sometimes feels like it's meandering. So I did feel that this first album I, I really liked, and I think it'll be something I would will still listen to. And these are, you know... it even though these are, we're talking about, you know, meandering and whatnot and like big, you know, they have a ton of instruments. This is still the sixties and seventies where it really is just the core band. You can hear that it's musicians. It's not like a bunch of weird synthesizers and stuff like that yet. Yeah. Not, not in the first couple albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first album is more, more accessible and that's i mean how i first had heard the band um and it's definitely one of the more i'm more likely to go back to re-listen to that album out of these uh just because it's i don't know it feels like a very cohesive single work yeah rather than some of these other albums like there's we'll get to one of them later but it kind of loses me halfway through and listening to it again i realized why i don't listen to them that often so and here's the thing is like the, the most of these albums are like between five to eight songs and uh eight maybe even saying too much like yeah and uh, i mean most of them if they're five songs they're still as long as they would be as yeah. like a nine or ten track album they're so. still like 45 minutes and you know on this album you know the longest song is like 12 minutes i think no it's yeah 12 minutes long Moonchild is 12 minutes long and i still really like it and you know, it feels cohesive. Yeah. So I think we're just on the general consensus that the first album is really good. I, I mean, I think that's probably their best album. And it's partially because it's ex- more accessible. It's not just weird for the sake of being weird or doing something experimental just to do it. So, yeah. So then we come around to, uh, and well, one, one thing on that album real quick, yeah. just, this is an interesting fact that I found out, um, looking about reading about this, uh, the masters for that album were lost and they were not found for 30 years. Holy shit. Fuck. That kind of sucks because <laughs> yeah. it's their best album. So Yeah. I'm sure that those things weren't kept very well back no, then. No, no. Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, that this first album came out in 1969. So then moving on to the second album, Lizard, that came out in 1970. Um, wait, that's the second. No. Nope. That's the third album. That's the third album. Which the second album also came out in 1970. Yeah, it and was, the second album is 
It, yeah, go ahead. In the wake of Poseidon. Yeah, it's very similar to their debut album, but it's not as... I don't know. To me, it's not as compelling. Well, here's the thing. is It, it, it is similar as the first album, but then you get tracks like Cat Food, which is very much like... It almost sounds like a Frank Zappa... Yeah. Uh, kind of-esque lyrics and just being silly, but you can hear the experimentation starting to come out. And then you have The Devil's Triangle, which, if I'm remembering right, it's just a whole instrumental, and it's very much a skip for me. Yeah, that's kind of where they got into doing the instrumental, like, chaotic kind of sounding stuff. Like, transitioning from, like, a calm song that is feels like it's going somewhere to just chaos, whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, it... it, it it's very much a foreshadowing of what's yeah, to come. It's, it, this album is very it. like definitive of where they're going eventually. Yeah, which is a shame because whenever I heard this, I was like, oh no, I think I can guess what's about to happen yeah. and I'm not going to like this. And I have like four, no, five more albums to listen to. <laughs> So I mean, it does change up in the next album, Lizard, like you were going to mention. Uh, it's much more jazz-influenced. And Yeah. Um, it is a weird album still. Uh, Here's the, something. The that, guy who's the, the band leader, he, and it's really his band. He's the only yeah. consistent member. Michael Fritt. He, yeah, he's called it unlistenable and people who enjoy it to be very, very strange. In so, the wake of Poseidon? No, Lizard. Oh, Lizard. So after they kind of go down the path of more... So that's funny because I agree for the most part, but I do like the title track, Lizard. Yeah, there are parts of that song. I think that let's see how long that song is real quick. It's twenty three minutes, so I don't like the whole song. But there are parts of that song yeah. that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. But well, and so I hadn't listened to this album before, or at least I don't remember listening to it. And I actually kind of liked it the first time, and then it kind of, I don't know, it didn't improve the next time I listened to it. Yeah, I because some parts of it go on too long and it's kind of I, I don't know it it feels overly repetitive at points too. Yeah, I looked this. Uh, you have the Wikipedia pulled up for yeah. uh, just the band. Go to the lineup real quick. Um, I think it was either on the second or the third album. I think it might be the third album, which is Lizards. Um, there, I think, are at points like three vocalists on that. Yeah, that was like their most unstable period. So, yeah, in terms of members. Um, and here's the thing about that you know, we mentioned that uh, Michael Fripp is the uh, only consistent member, but yeah, it's just if you go to Wikipedia and look at their uh, yeah, like we'll, timeline, we'll put this in the show notes too, so you can yeah, look at it. It is just only that first section, it's still just it's nuts how much they change i think the first two albums they have the same uh vocalist and i really liked him i i don't know who it was and then the third album he's on it as well and then there's another vocalist and then i think someone else in the band also sang a song it's it's nuts there there and it's not just like you can hear the vocal stylings of each of them it, yeah it makes every album kind of different but it's also weird because it's not very cohesive then as a yeah, as a band, like, because uh, the only consistent thing is the guy who started the band, and he's not singing either. So, yeah. So I think what, what's coming up next? Islands. Yeah. So Islands in 1971, and this is where so they lost me at Lizards. 
and I was thinking, okay, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna like this. Well, and then Islands is widely considered to be their like worst album of that era. It's funny. So. It kind of that kind of gripped me back in. Not the whole album, but there was parts of it that I was like, okay, it's not completely a lost cause. But I could see how they would say that because it is different yeah. from everything. It, it feels more orchestral at parts. Yeah, it's much more influenced by classical music than which I like that. Um, but I could see how people who are wanting to hear jazz or some fusion or just rock music and then this yeah. coming out. Oh, uh, it's very different from the album right before it too. So. I could, yeah, I could see the uh, fans getting mad at that or not loving it. So. But that's what gripped me back in is because exactly that yeah. is that it was kind of orchestral. I was like, oh, this is nice. And it didn't feel meandering uh, for the most part to me. See, I, I think that album is pretty meandering. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't I don't dislike it. It just doesn't feel like the albums of theirs that I do like as much. Yeah. It feels very distant from those. So It's also funny. It's the... Um, it's the most out of place out artwork of yeah. all of these, all of the rest of them. It's hard to describe the artwork, so you'll just have to look at it. But they if seem you, uh, kind of psychedelic. If you're listening to this podcast in an app that has uh, artwork support, you'll see the chapter every time. Yeah, well, th- there you go. But because it is hard to describe most of these. But just for sake, like I'll, I'll attempt to do this. Kind of a um, Renaissance psychedelic artwork kind of it just it's very colorful at times uh try to use imagery i suppose but as far as i know these are these concept albums i would say so yeah yeah i mean that this is definitely a band that i wouldn't just listen to a song i would just you have to listen to the whole album i think yeah and there are it's kind of hard with a band like this to listen to just a song because just a song can be 23 minutes long. Yeah. that That's a lot of time. That's like five songs, <laughs> like for a normal band, four and, or five And on songs. some of these albums too, there's a lot of like repeated themes and melodies and stuff throughout the album that yeah. it, some of the songs don't work on their own at all. Yeah. So the next album, uh, Lark's tongue, or is it Lark's tongue? Lark's tongues. Yeah, Lark's tongues in aspic. Um. Yeah. Well, so this was their new lineup that lasted until they went on uh, their first hiatus. I kind of capped off the era. So this album, I don't remember it. Like, so I guess that says something. I did not like this album. I like the first track and the last track. Because they're uh, they're parts <laughs> Part one and one, two, two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think those are that's a good song overall is one thing. The middle tracks kind of are forgetful. Yeah, even looking at this now, like I remember listening to it, but I can't yeah. remember what this sounds like at all. And if anybody follows along with us and listens to these albums, I mean, you, there's a distinct like I I don't think. Except for the first two albums, there are distinct styles for each album. Um, every album has a very distinct style where, you know, orchestral, more, you know, freeform or straight rock. I don't know what this one sounds like. I don't remember. So I guess that says something about how I feel about this album. 
Yeah, and I mean, this was one of the last three albums in this grouping that we did and that they came out with in this era. It's probably the least significant of these. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, if it wasn't for the opening and uh, the the part two and part one of the, the title track and closing track, I don't think most people would acknowledge this album. But they, uh, on the artwork, did go back to, uh, you know, the same styling. Yeah. So that's good on them, at least they understood to go back i suppose uh up next is starless and bible black this came out in 1974 um here's the thing about this album is it started out the first track is the great deceiver i was really into it it's instrumental for maybe i don't know 30 40 seconds i was like oh okay this is good this is it feels very, you know, I, I don't even know how to style it. it. It was just really cool. I was like, this is kind of had a Led Zeppelin-ish feel. Yeah, um, it's more rock than yeah, the previous stuff. But I knew it was going to get proggy, but it did have that Led Zeppelin feel. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. And that makes sense because this was around when Led Zeppelin was a thing. Yeah. And they're in the same country. So I can only imagine they're... Yeah, some you know, of the same influences yeah. were, were around. Because King Crimson's from uh, London, and I don't know where uh, Led Zeppelin's from. Uh, I mean, they're they're both from England, so it's yeah. all the same to us. But that's like saying, you know... <laughs> well, no, England's way smaller than the U.S., so yeah, I, yeah. I guess that can be fair. But, um, so, I was really liking this track. And then the lyrics came up. There were some questionable, like the very first very first words is it's questionable yeah and i get it's a different time it hasn't aged well i've i've never thought that was an excuse for things where people say oh well they grew up in a different time oh it was a different time i don't think that's an excuse for things i mean i think for recordings of things it's different than like if your grandfather who's still alive says something bad yeah then it's i mean that's definitely not okay so here's uh, I'm it, not, it definitely hasn't aged well as a result of that. Here's what I'm gonna say about this is um, I'm not gonna say what they said, uh, but they say it's a it feels like a homophobic slur, and here's the thing. Well, the word is a homophobic slur, yeah. but in the context of the song, I couldn't quite tell if it was that because I do know in Britain they do use that word as you know for cigarettes and stuff i don't know if that i don't know if that's okay though <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know what the context was but either way it hasn't aged well as a result of yeah but still so it, it was a lyrics, real shame so. because i was getting right back into it. i was like okay these last three albums these are i got this this is gonna be good and then as soon as i heard that i was like oh fuck i don't know i don't know about this i i yeah. had to rewind I listened to it and then I pulled up the lyrics and I was like, yep, he definitely said that. And it's a shame because I mean, I think the album is pretty good overall. It so. is. That's that's that yeah. was the huge thing for me. I was like, "Oh, I like this album, but I don't think that was okay." And, you know, but overall getting past that um it was a really good album. I really like that album. Yeah. The Starless and Bible Black, good. So, really good. Interesting thing about that album too, it was a blend of recorded live and studio on the same tracks even, like some 
parts wow. of it were recorded live and then blended in. I didn't even notice that. Really strange. If you if you know that listening to it, you can kind of tell on some parts of it. I but. might go back and re-listen just for that reason then. But uh, yeah, that that was a thing about that. And then uh, Fripp says this is the band of his dreams. He says that the band working on that album, because it's changed pretty much every time. Yeah. Um, the band who worked on that and on Red, the next album, um, he's like, I've never had a better band than that, even though he's still playing with people today. So that's... Yeah, and... I mean, I think that's why it's a good album overall. That, um, and to bring it back to what I was saying about the questionable lyrics of the first song, um, I tried to think in my head, like, okay, well, they have so many lineup changes... They just happened to get someone who thought that was okay and that. But then I started to think about it. Well, no, the whole band okayed that. The whole band was yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. I think so, it's just a matter of at the time, like nobody, especially is, in the band, probably nobody cared. Like it, Otherwise, it, they wouldn't have done it. So. Yeah, I really like this album. It's just a, it's a shame. It's, a, uh, it's just a uh, little bad mark on a otherwise yeah. good album. But, you know, and then that brings us to our last album that we listened to. And this was the last album they released before they took a hiatus. And when did they come back? The 80s? Yeah, 84, I believe. 81. 81, yeah. Um, Red. I like this album. Yeah. This I, is this really is, good. Aside from, like, their first album, which I really yeah. like, I think this might be my favorite album. Of yeah. theirs, uh, it's one that I've always gone back to. The closing track is my favorite song by them. Yeah, um, and, and I mean it's really long, but I really like that whole song from start to finish. Yeah, uh, Starless, which is minutes long. yeah, twelve minutes. So yeah, yeah. So you know, in this first iteration of this band that I had never listened to, it had really nice bookends. Yeah, it started off strong, and. You know, I mean, this is why I wanted to do the first seven albums is because yeah. this last album is really, really great. So. I, yeah, and it was I can see why. And it would have been weird to skip albums in between because that's another thing on this. I don't I don't like the idea of us picking and choosing albums. Like just the best ones. Yeah, because yeah. that's I don't think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, because every artist has a couple bad albums and usually. That, we so. want to talk about those because, you know, I might may like that bad album, that yeah. kind of stuff. But uh, like this, like Islands, I enjoyed that album. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it more than the album before it, yeah. preceding and after it, I believe. Yeah, it's just it, really nice bookends. And with bands like this, pioneers of their genre, it's really nice to hear it. But with modern sensibilities, it's hard for me to really say that I'm going to go back and ever listen to any of this. I think I'm going to keep on my phone because, by the way, I don't use Spotify or streaming or anything. Yeah, I don't either. For context. Um, um, it was interesting because I mentioned doing this band and Jackson said they're not on any streaming services. Yeah, so I did so check that for people wanting to listen yeah, to Yeah, if you're listening at home, I hope yeah, you, you can you, find it somewhere. You really devoted it. Um, so shout out to you, but, um, I think I'll keep the last album and the first album on my phone. I have enough room yeah. for all the albums, but it's just, like, I mean, I'm never going to listen to those. They're definitely albums for people who listen to a full album at a time. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people don't do that. I know, I, I know I'm weird in doing that. Uh, but that's why I still listen to them is that that's just how I listen to music and 
Well, that's a nice thing about doing this segment, and specifically, I wanted to mostly do this segment with you and me, uh, because both you and I, we like to listen to albums full and contextually, uh, which most people don't. I mean, And and that works good for this kind of thing, though, because we're looking at at least a couple albums for every person so yeah it's it's, for the most part i buy physical media because you know it forces me to listen to front to back because i'm just like anyone else nowadays i have a shorter attention span so i have to do certain things to force myself to listen like buy vinyl or buy a cd which i skip on a cd but if i have it and that's the only thing i have you know yeah so i guess here's a good way to wrap this up I, I believe I just said how I f- feel about it. You know, I, I can see, you know, where influences who how they've influenced other bands. So yeah, they've influenced other bands, and they've I think they've also had a lot of influence on film composers. Yeah, especially stuff on that last album. A lot of the like the feeling of that album is very much like it could be a film score. Okay, um, and I think that's you know more modern composers are doing stuff like that that's less classical and more of this like 70s influenced uh still classical like instrumental stuff but it's interesting to see like that influence go from rock bands and stuff like that to other genres and types of music i hate to bring it up here but uh have you heard any of uh tom york's um score for that new film suspiria no it's a remake of a 1970s horror yeah it's like suspense. a tribute remake kind of thing too yeah it's, um it's very much what you just described yeah. and so it's like an 80 minute long uh album uh the score is um thing about buying it i haven't not sure yet but it they've he's explained it that it is um uh you know typical scores like you know pieces instrumental pieces and then there will be little interludes also with tom york solo songs which i find interesting Mm. i want to hear and he's released two songs uh in support of it and uh they're both his solo songs and i could it because whenever i heard that solo tom york songs in it i was like i don't know how that's gonna work that's gonna seem kind of self-indulgent or he didn't know how to make a score so he just started so he just reused his his solo work but that being said if you listen to those two songs he released um i see how they could fit in a film really well just like uh dark rooms did on a ghost story yeah i get overwhelmed i totally see how that fits in that film yeah there are certain songs that just feel like they'd work really well in a movie and yeah if you can build a score around that song then it will fit in pretty naturally so so when you saw king crimson live uh how how was it? Where how long they play? And also just how it was, it was the a long. It was a while ago, so I don't remember how long they played. But yeah, they were opening, so it's probably forty minutes. Yeah. Um. So they played like three songs. Honestly, yeah, they probably did. Uh. I, they played stuff mostly from their first couple albums. That's. I don't, I don't <laughs> think they played anything that was, at the time at least, recent. I know yeah, that much. Gonna, so. I think their most recent album was like twenty thirteen. Yeah, I'm not sure, but 2003. 2003. Yeah, yeah they I'm just really haven't done anything off. new, and they know. I'm a decade I mean, off there. Yeah, they they know that their fans like their older music, and I think they like their older music. That's fair. Um, 
like I was saying, like the guy who is, is it's his band. He's yeah. very Michael much Frick. like, huh? Robert Fripp. Oh, is it Robert Fripp? Yeah. Fuck. I've been saying Michael Fripp this whole time. Uh, I didn't notice till now, but, <laughs> but he has his like, you know, that was his favorite lineups. So those are the songs he wants to do. And it's fair. Um, that's what people are there for. So, so I've said how I felt, feel about the band and how I feel about these albums. You listened to them, listened to them before. Yeah, you suggested them. I still listen to them, and I, I still feel pretty much like I did before. Like I like a few other albums, and some of them I just don't go back and listen to. This hasn't Uh, altered really anything. No, other than uh, Islands and Lizard, I hadn't really listened to those, and I might try them again. Um, Yeah, just because there there were parts of them that I liked, so. Yeah. But yeah, it it basically definitively made me realize that yeah, red is my like red and in the court of the Crimson Kanger, both their best albums that I've heard at least and Yeah, I'm gonna re listen to those and kinda I'm gonna listen to those back to back without all the in good. without yeah. the in between and see how I feel about the band then. Yeah. Because overwhelmingly if I were to, you know, say whether i like or dislike this band i would probably say it leans more towards the dislike but i respect them and i'm thankful for you know them influencing a genre that i love i mean that's like a lot of influential bands like maybe aren't yeah bands that everybody likes but they were influential and you can you can like the music that came as a result of it but you may not like where the the origins were yeah it's like jethro Tull. i really don't like them i haven't done a deep dive on them but i for the most part don't like their music i don't i like two or three of their albums do you like aqualung not really yeah i don't like that i can see why people like it but their biggest song and album yeah um i mean i I do like concept albums and i like yeah longer albums too but some of them are just lost on me yeah yeah prog cliches concept albums well is there anything you want to say about king crimson no, I don't think so. Um, I, other than we're probably not going to cover the rest of their their works yeah. at a uh, future episode or anything. But unless we get people asking us to do it. Unless people want us to. Then I, I'm just I'm going to go ahead and hope that you don't say that. No, I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah. I, I think these, these albums are... Have you listened to anything past these albums? Yeah, at some point. Not recently. Okay. Um, so you can't really give I don't a, think I've listened to all of them, though. You can't give an educated... Uh, opinion on it they're not memorable to me compared to to this run of albums because there are like i think there's good songs on all seven of these yeah they're just not all good albums so yeah all right well i guess that concludes the uh first episode and so since adam won the coin toss last time uh he got to pick the artist so now i'm picking the artist and I'm trying to decide if we should do... They have six albums. The artist is Modest Mouse. That's I'm fine of six albums. So, and here's the... I really like Modest Mouse. So. Yeah, I love Modest Mouse. They're on one... They're like my top five bands. And, um, and here's the thing. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to get into opinions yet. But uh, do we want to listen to all six albums or the first four? Because... Yeah, I was going to say... I'm going to be They on. have six albums and that's it, right? So... They, Studio. they have a ton of EPs and a ton of B-sides, which is funny because a lot of my favorite songs are those EPs and B-sides. But if we did that, that's like 12. 
we're not doing that. Um, so I say, if you want, do you want to do four or six? I think let's do all six. Let's just do it. Let's just go ahead, heads, head deep, head, heads first. Yeah, we, we <laughs> might scale back for future episodes, but yeah. these first ones we're going to... I'm feeling spiteful go that you in. made me listen to seven albums. And we both like Modest Mouse, yeah. so this I isn't mean, going to be a slog. But For future were, episodes, we're definitely not going to be able to do there this were, many. So. There were moments during King Crimson where I was like, God, this is a slog. I listened to it at work, and I was just like, I can't even, like, you know, get out of the fact that, like, oh, well, you know, this is better than working. Listening to music is better than working. <laughs> I was like... At some points, I was just like, I can't get with this. But Modest Mouse is going to be our next episode, and uh, we're going to be listening to all six studio albums. That doesn't include EPs or B-sides or live albums, which I know there's quite a few. Yeah. I'm a huge fan, so I know those songs. We may mention a song or two from I think them. I've only listened to one of their EPs, I believe. Yeah. Well, um, outside this we'll, podcast... We'll see when we go look at the uh the studio list and listen to all those if there's anything that i really like that we didn't listen to because it's not on there outside uh, of this uh i seriously recommend you listening to those because there are songs that are better than a lot than of the songs that they've yeah. released as you know for the songs so modest mouse for six albums um yeah you thank, guys know what to do yeah thanks for listening uh if you want to follow along with us just listen to those before you listen to the episode yeah if you have any uh, opinions on king crimson email us yeah also if you have or any, you can tweet us or something i don't know yeah and it, that will be at don't feed the artist this is going to be all under the umbrella of don't feed the artist so you can contact us through that we're not making a separate thing for deep dive this is just for a sake yeah just the alternating weeks when we we aren't interviewing people and yeah this was a sake for us to you know have more content and also i realized that I wanted to listen to more music that that like, you already don't listen to. Maybe I kind of wanted to be forced into yeah. listening to things. Cause I know when I do episodes with Hagen, he's going to force me to listen to something that I don't really like, Yeah, but that I may have my opinion changed but you, just by yeah, being you forced. might end up liking it. So. so that's why we decided to do this and then, you know, more content. But if you want to contact us or have any feedback on, you know, how we could have done this better, you know how to reach us. Anything. Yeah, don't feed the artist.com. Yeah. Anything with don't feed the artists. So thanks for listening. Modest Mouse is next week. Mm-hmm.